If there had to be someone in the Bible who had the craziest life, Joseph would certainly be in the top five. Joseph was Jacob's son, and he was the youngest of 11 brothers. And not just that, but he was the favorite child. I mean, the favorite child. His dad loved him more than all the other brothers. Joseph would get all the new clothes. He would get all the privileges. In fact, his dad didn't even make him work when he was 17 years old with the rest of the brothers who were out tending the flock. And because of that, his brothers didn't like him too much. But one day, everything changed for Jacob. And the comfort and the good life and all the people that he knew and loved, all of that was violently ripped out from underneath him. You see, one day, Jacob sent Joseph to go check on his brothers who were working and keeping the flock. And when Joseph was a ways off, his brothers saw him and they schemed. And they said, let's kill him. He's coming this way. We all hate him anyways. Let's kill him. So they planned to murder Joseph. And when Joseph got there, they jumped on him. And instead of killing him right then, they threw him in a pit. And eventually some foreigners came by and they thought, you know what? It would be better if we sold him, got some money, and then just told everyone that he died. So they did. And Joseph had his life ripped out from under him. And all of a sudden now, he goes from being his father's favorite child hours later to probably being tied up to a caravan of travelers going into Egypt, wondering, why God? Why me? What did I do to deserve this? What's happening? Are you good? Are you in control? How can you be good? And how can you be in control, Lord? And questioning God and all these things. Well, one thing led to the next and Joseph's life kept going downhill and downhill. He went and became a slave in a house of a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife tried to get Joseph to sleep with her, but he refused because he wanted to be obedient to God, and eventually Potiphar's wife got upset, falsely accused him of raping her. When Potiphar heard of it, he got angry and threw Joseph in prison. Now Joseph has been sold by his brothers and falsely accused and thrown in prison, and he's in the pit. He's in the worst place he can be. Anyone who cared about Joseph, who even knew he existed, they all thought he was dead. But Joseph is all alone, questioning in the bottom of this prison. Is God good? Is God in control? How could God be both good and in control when my life just keeps going down? Why, Lord, is this what it costs to serve you? Is this what it looks like? And Jacob's questioning, and he's wondering where God is in all this, and he's holding on to the one thing he knows, God, this is going to work out for your good, I just don't know how. And that's all he has to cling to. But one day, everything gets reversed. And Pharaoh pulls him out of the prison and promotes him. Not just promotes him a little bit, but Joseph interprets one of Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh says, who else is like this with the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh makes Joseph basically the king of Egypt. Well, eventually, once this happens to Joseph, his brothers come to Egypt. And Joseph came to meet them. And when his brothers eventually realized that it was Joseph, their brother, who was basically the king, they begged for forgiveness for their horrible act of selling Joseph into slavery. But Joseph looked at that event, that event that was the turning point of all the horrible things that ever happened to him, the cause, if you could say, of all the horrible things that happened to Joseph. But he saw that event differently now. Joseph looked back at his life and he saw that moment with his brothers selling him into slavery. But this time he didn't see it as an unfortunate event, but as an incredibly fortunate one. It was the biggest life-changing moment of his life, and yet the most evil at the same time. 
he saw one thing more clearly than he had ever seen it before. That event was not simply an evil accident, but it was a divinely orchestrated event. God had actually meant for that to take place. And for that matter, all the subsequent wicked events of Joseph's life were not mere coincidences. They were, in fact, the intention of God. God had intended those evil things to come about in Joseph's life. They all served to bring him where he was now. And they all served to keep many people alive, especially the lives of his family. Joseph puts it in this way when answering his brothers. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. All his life, through the struggles and the unjust sufferings, Joseph had wrestled and struggled with God about his purposes and the evil he was experiencing. And Joseph resolved that he could only trust that God was in control and intending them in order to work something good. He could not see it, but he could trust it. God had indeed worked all those sufferings, and he had worked them for something far more good. Joseph could look back and connect the dots. He could point to how each stage of evil that he endured served to put him in the position that he was now in. Joseph saw that he had previously only had faith for. And it was this, that God orchestrated every ounce of suffering for something infinitely good. As outrageous as it seems, Joseph knew it to be true. He had believed it, having nothing left to cling to in the prison cell. And now he had witnessed it. As for you, he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, just like Joseph, we will be forced to reconcile those very same impenetrable questions that Joseph was left with in the prison. So how could God do this? Is he even in control? Is, if he is in control, how could he still be good? Was he ever even good at all? And so on and so on. And we'll be forced to come to grips with some difficult things. Sometimes it'll feel like we are left on our own and forgotten like Joseph in the prison. We will have to grapple with the turmoil of suffering in the face of a God that calls himself good. And we'll have a few choices. One, we say God's not good. Two, we say God's not in control. Or three, we say that God is somehow orchestrating all of this pain and suffering for some good purpose that is greater than what I can imagine. I can decide to have faith that God's completely in control and completely good. Even though I can't see clearly how it's all true, I can trust that it's true. And believe that one day I will, like Joseph, be able to connect the dots. One day I will see clearly. And I'll see how every instance of suffering in my life was orchestrated by God to lead down a path which ended in something infinitely good. But until that day, though it may feel otherwise, I must hold on to the sovereignty of God on one hand and the goodness of God on the other, never loosening my hold, believing that one day God will rectify all evil and I'll see it happen.